I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Jackie. She has Lyme disease. Or at least we think so. Let's talk about it. Yes, we are rocking and rolling. Talking to our new friend, Jackie. All the way down from New Orleans. No, New Orleans. New Orleans. Um, Jackie. Uh, Get please. ready for way more of that. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we apologize right off the bat. Uh, Jackie, you're, uh, you're a dancer. Um, yes. And you also, uh, you also know a little bit about what it's like to live with Lyme and Bartonella. Yeah. I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think I know what Bartonella is, but yeah, is Bartonella either. the thing that you get from eating uh, like canned beans that, that and like they're, they it they like rotten canned beans or like bad canned food? That's scurvy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's scurvy, <laughs> I, but I also don't think it's Bartonella. But maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> oh, that's oh, I got it. It's Legionnaires. Never mind. Moving right along. What is Bartonella? <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> um, boy, what is Bartonella? Um, Bartonella is a vector-borne uh, bacteria, um, and it. Um, like Lyme um, and again like this is going to be a very controversial thing I'm about to make like a whole lot of enemies like even just talking about this oh I, here we go buckle like, up folks I, I know <laughs> I, I, I already I, I already like, can picture like the letters Louise, coming in Louise from... is going to at me like <laughs> yeah, right after yeah, this yeah. <laughs> I can sense it um, but I'm I'm kind of weird um, in the in terms of Lyme uh, the Lyme and Bartonellosis community um, and just because, like, I'm not, I don't fall cleanly on one side or the other uh, of the extremes on the, the political issues surrounding it. Um, and it is very much like a, a political disease. Um, but Lyme, both Lyme and Bartonella are bacteria that can be transmitted through vectors. So, I mean, uh, ticks or fleas, um, things like that. Uh, Bartonella is also known uh, kind of colloquially as like cat scratch disease. Cat um, scratch fever. We right. just talked, talked about, about this about yeah. Yeah, right. like weeks ago. That's what I was yeah. thinking about when you were saying Bartonella, Jer. Wow. I thought you were going to talk about cat scratch fever because we literally talked. You, you brought up a whole fever. segment about this like three weeks ago. It's, there's too much <laughs> shit that we talk about to stay in this brain. It's, it goes in, and if something else comes in, the other thing yeah. pops in. Then it's so. saved on video and audio files somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I know. See, I, I, I totally feel that. But also, like, one of my huge symptoms um, is memory loss. 
So like, mm. I just blame it on that. So anything that I say that's like entirely wrong, just, you know, this is my disclaimer, like straight up here at the front of the podcast. Like <laughs> anything I say that's just totally like bullshit. Like it's my memory problems, my disease ate my brain, you know, not my fault. That's right. Um, blame it on, yeah, blame it on the disease, girl. Must I'm be all what, about it. I do that must be what all day, every day. We it's, all have, it's right? The, like <laughs> it's my zombie parasites is what it is. So um, Bartonella, like, so, I mean, we, now that I'm remembering that we had like a totally bonkers conversation about this a few yeah. weeks ago on the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was totally um, bonkers, yeah. And, and that person was uh, basically uh, like going completely batshit insane. Yeah, he wanted to kill yeah. his pets. Yeah, like what? Uh, so if that is the f- one end of the spectrum, um, and then the other end is like, it, it, you know, you don't even know you have it. Where are you? Right. Uh, um, Separating that from the Lyme has been like a very complicated journey. Um, and this has been um, pretty much my entire adult life that I've been sick. Uh, and I was undiagnosed for a very long time. Um, I started having, you know, strange symptoms around the time I was 16. Um, and really just things that started as um, like heart palpitations or I was having uh, these weird tremors or muscle weakness um, and then uh, shortness of breath or what they call air hunger. And all these are things that are that are mm. coming up. Um, and I was, I was always an athlete and a dancer, right? Um, so I hadn't had issues like this before. Um, so, you know, going to my family doctor, um, they were telling me, no, this is probably stress. This is nothing to worry about. Maybe it's hypoglycemia, maybe eat some more calories, um, and just kind of dismissed everything as, as simple fixes, um, but without like any real answers. Um, but over the years, it just kind of got worse and worse. Um, and a lot of that went ignored for a very long time. Um, my mom got sick when I was a senior in high school. Um, so she had breast cancer and I think a lot of my issues got kind of put to the back burner, um, Mm. because of that, because, you know, we're trying to focus on, uh, helping my mom heal. Um, and then as I continued to get worse, um, and started to have increasing heart palpitations, um, uh, more air hunger, more, um, started having blackouts while I was performing, that kind of thing. Um, it became more difficult to ignore, but I was, you know, in college at the time, um, and I started a new relationship, um, and then my partner got very sick with something totally unrelated. (laughs) Um, so that became like the focus for me for a long time. So all of this kind of got pushed to the side Uh, and continued to get worse and worse um, as I, as my doctors kind of said, well, it's stress. You know, obviously you have all these stressors in your life. It's, it's gotta be, you know, all the things you're going through. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, here I was, I'm like 19 or 20 and my doctor's putting me on, on beta blockers uh, for, for the heart palpitations. Now they could hook me up to an EKG and say, oh yeah, definitely. We have the test results to show like, you have an arrhythmia, like you have a heart arrhythmia. Mm. Uh, There's definitely an issue there. Uh, We can see you have these tremors. Um, We can see all this stuff, um, but we don't have an explanation for it. So we're gonna say stress, depression, all of that. Um, 
So I ended up seeing a lot of different specialists, you know, cardiologists. Um, I saw a lot of therapists, uh, psychologists, psychiatrists. Um, I was on a whole bunch of different antidepressants. Um, tried them like, Were you see, like, you know, seeing these professionals mm-hmm. taking these these antidepressants? Like, were you seeing any kind of resolve whatsoever, or it was no. just just straight up the same old shit? Same, same old shit. Yeah, nothing, nothing changed for me, but it was kind of, you know, like I was in survival mode, you know, forge ahead. Like I had to keep, keep living, you know, um, I had bills to pay. I had things to do. I couldn't stop to take care of my health. Um, that was just not an option at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time I was maybe about 24, um, I was getting to a point where I could not ignore it anymore. So I was Mm. having a lot of neurological issues. Um, I couldn't feel my hands or my feet very well. Um, I had numbness in the lower half of my face. Um, Gosh, that's when the confusion, the memory loss started becoming like a real problem. Just trying to work uh, became really difficult. Um, Yeah, and... My my partner at the time, um, who was going through his own, you know, trying to get diagnosed with something else, um, actually came across all this information on Lyme. And I tried to ignore it for a very long time and said, this is not, this is not me. This is going to be an easy fix. It's going to be an easy something and I'll get answers and it'll all be, you know, we'll be able to fix it and cure it and it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the moment that I, I finally realized, well, I can't, I can't ignore this any longer. Um, I was, I was at a Starbucks. I'm just trying to order a latte and I get to the counter and I went to say the word latte, and my mouth wouldn't form the words. Like, my tongue would not work. My oh, mouth was yeah. numb. I, yeah. Um, and I realized at that moment, like, how much neurological, neurological deterioration I had had um, and how difficult it really was to swallow and speak and even walk at that point. Were um, you feeling, like, in that moment when you were ordering... A drink from Starbucks and you just mm-hmm. had that, like, you couldn't even speak. Were you feeling anxious in that moment about, like, about the experience that you were having? Or was it just like, oh, this is just sort of second nature now. These things keep happening to me. Also, no, what was... did they give you? What was the order that came? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> there was this, like, wave of, like, just panic in that moment where I went, oh, fuck. Like, the world mm. just kind of stopped. Like, everything slowed down. And I was like, shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to do something about it now. Um, I, I can't remember what drink I ended up with. Um, maybe <laughs> But maybe do they something. serve you? Like, like if <laughs> you're sitting, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to imagine, <laughs> I'm trying to imagine myself as, like, a barista at Starbucks, probably, like, you know, 17, 18 years old. Yeah. And there's this person in front of me trying to order, and they're just, like, staring at, and, and you're like, yeah, yeah, what could I get for you? And but I was trying to say like, words. Trying like, to speak. Yeah, I would be like, yeah, are you having like, a fucking stroke? Are you like, are you okay? Dude, I, I, feel, yeah, I yeah. feel like people who work at Starbucks are super, super experienced with that type of thing. I feel like people <laughs> was, walk into Starbucks all the yeah. time and are like, ah! 
and they're just like, all right, get them a medium coffee, just a yeah. just a medium caffeinated <laughs> drink. Yeah. Because don't even fucking talk to me till I got my coffee in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> That's an inside joke there. So you have, so you have, so so like, <laughs> yeah, Till I get my Tim's um, for all of our Canadian listeners. Um, really funny. <laughs> um, so you're you are you are you are experiencing you know like a myriad of symptoms over mm-hmm. many years with sort of you know no with no indication of what you're dealing with and and you know yeah. you, you, it's sort of you're it, it comes up but then it gets pushed to the side because you've got all, you know you've got these other things coming up mm-hmm. in your life like what, along the way i mean did you ever, did you ever look like, did you ever seek out Dr. Google or, you know, did anything pop into your mind that made you think like, maybe it's, maybe it's this thing or maybe it's that thing. Like what were your thoughts over the years as you continued to deal with all these symptoms that were coming up for you? Um, I suppose I, I probably looked at a few things, um, but again, you know, I was in survival mode, like anything I could do to deny that I was sick uh, was was going to be my tactic. Like mm-hmm. any way I could say this is stress, this is not a thing, this is I'm just, you know, not pushing myself hard enough, I'm being dramatic about it. Any of that was that I was going to choose to do that over admitting that there was an issue. <clears throat> Were you, is that because you were you wanted to go along with what you were hearing from your healthcare providers? Yeah, I, I really wanted to trust them. Um, I um, I always grew up thinking that I could stay healthy with like you know eating well and good exercise and. Um, you know, again, I was like, like always very active and I kind of grew up in a hippie town. And um, I, I really believed that if there was something wrong, doctors would know and they would have answers for me. And I really mm-hmm. wanted to yeah. I wanted to trust in that. Um, and and that that was just not the case. Yeah, I, th- I think it should be said that like and that's something that we've definitely learned over the course of doing this podcast is like, you know, Oftentimes doctors do have the answers and oftentimes doctors are able to see a patient, see what's going on, go, I I've seen this before. This is how you treat this. This is how we handle this. And, and then there's the, there's the odd time. And, you know, we've spoken to a number of people over the years where doctors are like, I'm fucking stumped. I don't know. I don't know what you have. Like we can't seem to figure out what you have. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we're going to like, look at all of the, all of the boxes that are ticked here and, and work to the best of our abilities. And sometimes that, you know, sometimes we've seen and heard how that's panned out really well. And sometimes we've seen and heard from folks on the show where that it, it, it hasn't. Um, mm-hmm. And I, th- I also want to like, I want to address this because the, there's, there's a, a bit of an elephant in the room <clears throat> when it comes to the discussion of Lyme disease, especially yes. on this show. Mm-hmm. In that we've we we once spoke with a young woman who had the show was about chronic Lyme disease, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and uh, our guest who we had on the show, she was experiencing a fuckload of like really intense um, symptoms yeah. from something, 
And she got the diagnosis from someone of chronic mm-hmm. Lyme. And she shared her story and she went down to Mexico and was doing like these crazy treatments of low dose chemo and, and all this kind of stuff. And I know that you said this is like a very political <clears throat> disease. And, and boy, did we find that out pretty quickly after that episode, because like within yeah, yeah. the span of like three days, we, we ended up getting, um, I would say like several, probably like five or six letters written to us from physicians Mm-hmm. And they were like, they were upset. They were, they were like straight up fully upset that we had released this episode with the, with the, with the, um, the message basically being, Hey, you guys just, you guys just published an episode about, a, about an illness, a disease that the broad majority of the medical, um, uh, field doesn't recognize it as a disease. Yeah. <clears throat> and we, and of course, a fucking theater school major, a small business owner, and, a, and Bri, I can never figure out what the fuck you do, <laughs> a, a, an ideas guy. Like, we, we, had, we had no, we didn't know, we had no fucking clue what we were doing. And, and so we, we made a follow-up episode to that conversation. Mm-hmm. And that follow-up episode was basically to say, hey, listen, not to take away from what this woman has gone through, because she's obviously going through something fucking shitty. But also, it should be said, it should be noted that there's a big part of the scientific community that, like, doesn't like this term chronic Lyme because it doesn't, um, for whatever the reason is, you know, and I think the big reason being it's, like, the science hasn't really shown us that that is actually what's going on. There's clearly something wrong but, but we don't know what it is, and we're not willing to say that it is. Like, we're not willing to give it a name yet because... <coughs> yeah. because the, other part was, the, the other part was unrecog- yeah. was unrecognized treatment as well. Or, like, un- right. Right. Un- like, like patients treatment, being taken oh, yeah. advantage treatment of. That, yeah, yeah. Treatment that can be given, that's, you know, that you can get somewhere else that you can't get in the country yeah, that, yeah. that yeah. you live in, that sort of thing. Yep. And so, yeah, so is that what, what you meant by, like, a politicized sort of ailment? Yes, very yeah, much. Yeah. And, and here's why I'm about to piss off everyone on both sides. Um, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not going to claim chronic Lyme, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to deny it either. Mm-hmm. And, and there are many reasons why. Um, I find that a lot of people who are in the chronic Lyme camp uh, tend to be a bit extreme in this kind of like conspiracy theory way. Sure. Um, the most extreme are the ones who uh, are really into the whole idea of Plum Island. I don't know if you're into conspiracy theories, but oh, I'm, oh, I'm definitely dude. Do tell theory. us. <laughs> I'm putting my Plum fucking tinfoil hat on extra tight. Oh, I want to know about Plum Island. Okay, so um, it's right next to Epstein's Island. And oh, it is, let me tell you, it is something uh, else. Oh, wow. So, okay, so the the idea with Plum Island, um, Project Paperclip. So we, you know, mm-hmm. got. Nazi scientists after, right, post-World War II, um, Mm -hmm. brought our Nazi scientists over, and uh, one of those was um, Dr. Traub, who had been studying, um, I believe his focus was on hoof and mouth disease. Now, his focus was 
kind of agricultural, uh, but there was this whole idea that the lab that he was working in on Plum Island, which is off the coast of Connecticut, uh, very close to what is uh, the town of Lyme, Connecticut, you may mm. recognize the word, um, <laughs> was, <laughs> was engaging in some sort of like bio warfare um, experiments, Whoa, right? Okay. Dude, <laughs> right. So the theory was that uh, Lyme was created or um, the Borrelia uh, burgdorferi bacteria was created somehow in this lab that it escaped the lab, got onto um, into the ticks that were on the island um, the deer ticks, so the exodes ticks uh, that attach to the deer there, deer swim from the island to the mainland and continue to transmit the disease. Now, those fuckers. In the sev- <laughs> so in the 70s, um, Lyme, Connecticut started to experience a lot of um, what they thought at the time was like a weird. Um, oh, see, this is that word finding difficulty. Arthritis. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they thought it was to begin with. And, and then there was this whole host of other symptoms that started to come along with it. And eventually they said, oh, this is Lyme disease. We're naming it after the town. Mm. Um, and Can you it, imagine that's like you driving into a town and like that's the... That's the that's claim the, to fame. That's the yeah. billboard in the <laughs> home like, hey, of home Lyme disease. Home, to home Lyme. of the Birth, disease. Birthplace of, yeah, yeah, birthplace birthplace of Lyme of disease. Bio-warfare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Na- Nazi bio-warfare. Yeah. Um, home to paper to Operation Paperclip. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the, that's the conspiracy theory side. Um, wow. A little, a little further in from there, um, you have like a lot of people who um, are really just, they're focused on all the, there's a lot of rejection of peer reviewed uh, case studies and um, medical studies um, that are showing, that are online, that are on um, chronic infestations of Lyme. um, And those aren't being thought of or, or taken into account when the IDSA is creating guidelines for Lyme treatment or diagnosis. And again, IDSA uh, is helping to guide what the CDC is choosing to do. What does IDSA stand for? Um, The Infectious Disease Society. Oh, okay, okay. So the infectious disease specialists are over here um, deciding, okay, here's what we think about these diseases, here's the latest research on this, and um, we're gonna recommend this is how people should diagnose it and treat it to the CDC. And then the CDC says, okay, this is what we're right. publishing and recommending to everybody. Right, right. So there's a lot of people who are saying, you're choosing to ignore a whole bunch of information that's out there um, for financial gain. Now, most notably, like we're, maybe we're talking about like, there's a, um, like Dr. Wormser is like a big one that people are like really not into. Um, but he's on that that board, um, but he also has admitted that he has like um, financial ties to companies that um, produce um, like testing testing um, technology or testing kits uh, for the disease. When you so, say when you say people are not mm-hmm. into him, do you mean like chronic Lyme people are not into chronic, him? Chronic 
chronic Lyme people are okay. very much like protesting the fact that he's involved in this um, right. because his and he has financial ties to privatized health insurance, which is mm-hmm. like a huge issue here in the States. Mm-hmm, right. um, so for him to have like those those conflicts of interest and still be allowed to help create those guidelines is like pissing a lot of people off. Right. Obviously. Mm, right. Um, so there's that camp. I guess um, it really depends on, on like what those financial conflicts of interest are because, because like, for example, um, I invested in uh, field trip, the psilocybin um, therapeutic treatment uh, company that's investing in psilocybin treatment and Brian, so are if you I was to drive up the stock for so if I was right a pump and dump, it's a pump and dump. <laughs> so if, dude. if I was to talk about them on the podcast, I, I legally have to disclose that I have a vested interest in the financial success of, of that company when I'm, when I'm talking about that. Um, but like, you know, we're talking like 500 bucks. So like, am I going to like actually do <laughs> something to like fucking, you know, like, am I really influenced by them or like, am, you know, like, I guess it really depends on like the degree of, yeah, because I don't know. So like, influence. I, I guess I my, my curiosity, my questioning of that stuff would be like how financially the, the, yeah. right. the tough part to with the, like, with I'm not, the, I'm not sure. <clears throat> the tough part with the chronic, with the chronic line, like when, when we got those letters, when we put that episode, that was years ago. Now we were still recording in your in your old house, Jer. Um, and uh, the, we we got these letters, and 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 um, and and what it did was it prompted us to reach out to somebody, um, to reach out to a couple of people. We reached out to a friend of ours who was a naturopath, who because um, um, we wanted to get that side of it because we know that naturopaths are like really heavily involved in in like treatment of Lyme. And then we reached out to a physician friend of ours who we had had on the show before and said like, Hey, what's your, what's your opinion on this? this is like some of the feedback we got. And, and it sounded like, you know, essentially that it was like, Hey, these people, everybody is these, all these people are all sick. They're all, they all, they're all experiencing illness. Yes. The thing, it, the thing about it is that we haven't put a name to the thing that they're experiencing and when something doesn't have a name, and we've talked to lots of people who, have, who are going through something that either is still undiagnosed or has been undiagnosed for a very long time or was undiagnosed for a very long time. <laughs> and that unknown, like I completely understand the desire to, to mm. label because mm. you want to label because you don't know and it sucks not to know. And so like, I don't, like, I don't, you know, like I, I feel like that's a really good place to sit where you are, like in that, because I feel like I sit there for pretty much everything. I'm yeah. always like, I'm yeah. not in and I'm not out. I'm always weighing all of the unless, information. Yeah, mm-hmm. unless it's aliens, I think I think it's safe to say. And then I'm in, in, and Brian and pretends he's not, but he is. Uh, so with that, then with that, let's come back to your experience, then Jackie. Yeah. Uh, you you go through this long period of having these fucked up like psychological issues, these right. these physical yeah. issues. Mm-hmm. Do you do you eventually get to a point where you do have a healthcare professional who does say, ah. "Oh, I think it is A or B or C." This actually segues nicely because um, he is was very much at the heart of this political um, storm. Okay, um, I was very lucky to get in with an infectious disease specialist um, on the East Coast. Um, who was known for being one of the best for Lyme disease. Um, He started 
diagnosing Lyme after seeing like HIV patients for a number of years and kind of specializing in that and then said that he's noticed a lot of similarities between the two and then kind of started seeing more and more Lyme patients and then Mm -hmm. looking into that more and more. So I I was very lucky to get in to see him um, and get his uh, opinion. Um, And when I got there, uh, he did like a full workup um, exam, um, blood work. um, And he said, well, you're much sicker than you look, first off. Um, He said, I think if you hadn't been dancing all these years, you probably wouldn't be able to walk as well as you do right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Like I was standing, I was able to stand because I was using, you know, tricks that I learned for balancing in dance. (laughs) Like, so I'm like staring at one point and like, you know, trying to focus visually on things, um, which was hard because I was having like visual issues at the time too. Um, But if I closed my eyes, I'd fall over. Um, and then all the numbness in my hands and feet was obviously making it very difficult to, to stand. Um, but he also ran, um, blood work. And I think your last guest talked about the Igenix lab. And this was something I think that came up with the, um, um, the follow-up episode as well. Um, so the Western blot test versus the Igenix lab test. Mm. Igenix is a lab, um, that's based out of California. Um, that was, you know, their, their lab test for testing, um, Lyme is supposed to be, and, and associated infections is supposed to be, uh, more sensitive to, than a standard Western blot. So when you look at a Western blot, a Western blot is looking at, um, like an active antibody and, um, if, if you're looking at the science on biofilms, which I think you guys touched on a little bit. Um, there's been like more recent studies that are, are really getting into like the biofilms of, of Lyme. Um, but if it's in like that biofilm stage, then you may not have like, you know, active antibody, anti- antibodies at that moment. Um, <clears throat> but then still you have to have five positive bands to be considered a positive Western blot according to the CDC test. Now, if you go through Igenix, um, they're going to break it down and show you which bands you're positive for. Um, and so I was positive for four out of five and then had like a little bit um, of two others. So not positive according to the Western blot for you know, CDC standards, but according to Igenix standards, that was positive for them. Mm-hmm. Um, for him to diagnose me, my doctor to diagnose me, um, he used that plus, you know, the clinical diagnosis, the exam, my personal history. Um, and, um, he noted that I had, um, what he called striae, um, on my hips, uh, which is like a, they don't call it that anymore. Um, because that kind of makes you think of stretch marks. So they look like stretch marks, like on the sides of your body, right? That's what that kid had with Bartonella. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So right, he, right, right. when he looked at my skin, he said, this looks like a Bartonella, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we had so many things to attack. He was like, all right, let's kind of approach 
<laughs> one thing at things, a time. Yeah, yeah, a little bit at a time, um, and and we'll get there. Right. So um, so so if I remember right too from the last conversation that we had and sort of what you were going through there is like there's this like certain criteria of like you have to have this many things or whatever to to qualify as having Lyme disease, and you had. Uh, four to five of the the typical things that you would need, but this other test that sort of goes into it in in more detail identified that there was like part of these things that could have been the fifth thing, even though you weren't quite being diagnosed as having officially officially having Lyme disease. Your doctor looked at this plus the symptoms that you were presenting with and said, "Yeah, it looks like looks like you do in fact have it." Yeah. favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. How does the Bartonella play into it? Is that is that something that, because um, I don't recall how in that case study, what the what the treatment was for that, that young kid. Um, but, but he ended up like, because he, you know, in that study, he was, he was having really intense hallucinations, yep. paranoia, yep. like all that crazy fucked up shit, which it sounds yep. like you you were on the cusp <laughs> of or were fully in, mm. in on. Um, and, and then, you know, with this doctor that kind of um, rolled the dice and was like, I think it might be this Barton, I think it might be cat scratch fever, um, was able to like bring this kid out of that, deep hole and now and now he seems to be thriving so what was the case with you like what what did you know whether or not you have fucking lime or bartonella or wh- whatever it might actually be what what was the tr- what was the treatment like for you when you were trying to actually like deal with this from a doctor who wasn't looking at you going you're depressed and you're not eating enough right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so there are different options in terms of treatment, um, depending on, you know, many different factors. Um, the doctor I was seeing, um, was one that focuses on antibiotic therapies. Um, sometimes he'll do IV antibiotics, um, and sometimes he'll do oral antibiotics. Um, I did the oral antibiotics, um, some of that has had to do with um, resources. Uh, you can't get insurance coverage for IV antibiotics. Um, they're just not going to cover it. Um, and then you have to pay all of that out of pocket. I didn't have that kind of money laying around. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky to even like get down to pay for the doctor. Um, so that was one factor. Um, but doing the oral antibiotics... Uh, also meant that we could go in and do something a little bit less intense um, because when you do antibiotic treatment um, with Lyme disease, uh, 
there's something that is called a Herxheimer reaction or a Jarrett Herxheimer reaction, um, which is basically when you kill the um, bacteria, there's this, uh, they call it like die off. Uh, so there's these kind of like microtoxins that are released as like the the actual um, organisms die, right? Like and the souls like, of the bacteria. As the souls are like ascending. <laughs> Sends to, them yeah. straight to hell. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Into the fiery um, pits of your bloodstream and it just fucks you up. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, that sucks. Um, yeah. So so you just, you, you feel like shit. Um, so it makes all of your symptoms like worse. It's like, oh, like, <laughs> it's like where a spinal tap turns like the knobs up to 11. Like that's like, <laughs> like what happens to your body. <laughs> so, um, everything that I was always already experiencing, um, you know, I have like, um, the protocol was like, you do one week of intense antibiotic cocktail, right? Like these broad spectrum stuff that you like, um, alternate days right and then you have the weekend off you do another week of like lesser antibiotic cocktail and then you have two weeks to detox everything out um which means like you feel miserable it's like having the flu but like a really awful flu and you're like sweating and like in addition to like all the like other symptoms you have now my brain was so inflamed already that this just caused more brain inflammation so I had all this nerve pain. It's like this unbelievable, just stabbing, shooting pains, like from the bottoms of my feet, which I could barely feel already. But like, you can feel nerve pain. Like mm. nerve pain is a different mm. beast, right? Mm. Um, stabbing pains, like through the bottoms of my feet, up through my shins, like into my kneecaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so already can't walk, like laying on the floor and dealing with that. Um, and then I feel like my head is exploding. Now I'd had this dull, well, I should be calling it dull, but I'd been living with it so long, like it, I didn't feel it anymore. This headache, um, this persistent headache that I'd had for like six or seven years prior to this moment. Um, and then after that first week of antibiotic treatment, it just all hit me and I was just violently ill. Um, so I had this unreal kind of migraine, like lay on the floor, can't move, sick on the bathroom floor kind of migraine. Um, and that's really when like the weird lights and the weird smells and the like hallucinations and the, mm. um, gosh, like, I can't, I can't even begin to describe the pain of like what that's like for your brain to be swollen like that. It's mm. just pure agony. Were you, you um, were, you were having, you were experiencing like hallucinations. At, was it, was it like pain induced hallucinations or was it like your brain was just swollen and it, it was just pressing on different weird areas and you were just seeing all these different things and my brain was just swollen. Um, my, okay, the first time, this, we always joked that this was like my first trip, right? Um, the, <laughs> the first time, the first time the hallucinations actually like got real bad and it was not just because of the pain or whatever. 
Um, it was on it was on Thanksgiving, and I was going to eat with my my partner at the time with his family. Um, and I sit down with like my plate of food, and suddenly like whatever was on my plate turned into this incredible, colorful, like swirling, <laughs> like just like oh, full wow. on trip. And I didn't know what was going on because like. I didn't, I didn't take anything. I didn't plan this. Like, this is like the last place I want to have like a trip, right? Um, middle of Thanksgiving with like my, <laughs> so yeah. Um, what's that movie that just came out recently where they're tripping at the parents' house, Jer, by that really trippy director? The guy who did, uh, spotless, uh, sun, uh, sunshine, spotless mind, uh, uh, oh, oh, um, I'm thinking of ending things. Yes, yes. Oh, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I, that's what I was just thinking of when they're at, when they're at the kitchen table and they're having all those super yes. weird conversations yeah. and yeah. and like oh. and then everything is just like you're all of a sudden you're like wait is she tripping on acid? That movie was very bizarre. Yeah, and that's probably exactly what it was like. Wait, okay, but but what actually did what happened in that moment where you just like uh, okay, well I'm just gonna try to pull it together and yeah, you right. were able to like pull it off or were they like no holy dude, shit like Jackie you were tripping like, the fuck out <laughs> I had like full meltdown like yeah. it was okay, yeah. so it was right. awful like I ended up in the ER like and they ran like a million talk screens of course they're like I was like a you know they're explaining like I didn't take anything and I'm like ah, like whoa I, <laughs> how long did like, it, it last it was wild um, it felt like it lasted a really long time. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I think I was there like eight hours getting pumped full of fluids. That's and was right. that I all? I wasn't that lucid. I'm sure. Was that all a part of the, the, the like reaction to the, to the antibiotic treatment that you were on? Like what was it called again? The Gar- Garish? The, uh, oh, the Herxheimer. Yeah. 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 Is that, so it, that, this is like all your body reacting to the treatment. This is, this is part of my Herx. Yeah. Wow. Fuck. Yeah. That's part of my brain swelling. So that was the first time it happened. And it's kind of like become like a normal part of my life since then. Like since Whoa. it like released all of Jesus. this, like, so a lot of times when I, you know, I would go through a treatment and I would Herx, like I would have these like dissociative episodes or like this depersonalization or like, like major hallucinations. Um, but wait, like if, you said that this is like continuing to happen. Like, is is it? It sounds almost like the treatment's worse than the disease at this point. Okay. Like, it's so, like, yeah. <laughs> I can, how does how does that work? So what happened was that year was really difficult. Um, but I'm like, I'm one of those like insane people that like attacks everything. Is like, all right, I must do this exactly the way the doctor said. I'm gonna go hardcore. I'm gonna do it right. I'm gonna yeah. Um, and I did, and I got better fast. Um, it was intense. It was, it was really fucking intense, but I got better very quickly. And in about four years, like we were talking, like this might be like, I might be on the edge of like remission here. Like this could be cool. Um, and then I started having more, like I started tapering off the, um, the meds, um, and 
there was kind of this another weird point in my life where I I didn't have a lot of money. I lost my health insurance, lost my job, lost a whole bunch of things all at once and didn't have access to care to finish what I was doing to get myself to remission. Mm. Um, and I started going backwards. So I started mm. having all these issues again. Mm-hmm. And there was this like skepticism, like there's no way this is Lyme. There's no way this is this, this co-infection. There's no way this is the cause of it. I'm going to start over again and look for things like it's got to be something else. Find answers so elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, how recently I was this, that? How long ago was that? Um, like where you started to feel like you were kind of square one again. I started back. It would have been 2015. Oh, wow. 2015, I got back into treatment. How old are you now? I am 38. And this was, oh shit. So fuck, dude, this is like 20 years. Yeah. Damn. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I went, I went backwards quickly and that's when the hallucinations got really bad. So it almost seems like if, and, and again, like I'm not here to like, say, you know, what is or is not definitely, um, you know, I can only say like, this is my bodily experience and like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I feel like I could have been diagnosed with like a lot of different things. And I think a lot of people try to diagnose, diagnose me with a lot of different things, you know, um, bipolar and narcolepsy and, um, um, I, I'm shocked I didn't end up with a MS diagnosis before I ended up at the infectious disease specialist. Um, But what did work for me was whatever treatment they threw at me. And if they want to call it Lyme treatment, then cool, I'll I'll take it. But it's what got me to where Mm -hmm. I am. Mm -hmm. Um, It's what helped me get to the point where I don't need to use my cane every day. It's what got me to the point where I'm like starting to dance again. It got Mm. me to the point where I kind of had some cognitive function back. um, And I'm not hallucinating nonstop every day. Mm. Um, How did this, how did this affect your relationship with your partner? Oh, um, that there've been, we're, we're talking like a few relationships back now. <laughs> oh, got you. Got you got um, so you. that, that relationship, I think, um, I think we, we were kind of bonded by trauma in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, uh, we're, we're still friends, um, which is great. Um, but we had, you know, I think different things to do once we each, got our own diagnoses and had other, we had different journeys to go on. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and it's nice that we had the opportunity to do that because there were times that, you know, I didn't think I was going to live long enough to even try. Right. Um, did it affect dating going forward? You know, like, how, like I, I can only imagine this is immediately, fucking, yeah, like <laughs> tough, you know? Yeah. Immediately after that, um, I ended up with someone who I had been friends with for a long time, um, thinking that he understood what 
I'd been through all these years. Mm. Um, and it was, it was way too much for him. Um, and it's, you know, it's a difficult conversation to have with someone when you're like in your twenties, um, to say like, okay, look, like, here's the truth of my situation. Like mm. I'm sick. I'm always going to be sick. This is just kind of how my life is going to go. And if you're here for that, that's cool. And if that's too much for you, like I'm not offended by that. If you want a different kind of life, like that's, that's cool. Like you go do that. Like I'm not going to be upset over that. Mm -hmm. Um, And he really wanted to try and stick it out. I think he felt this kind of like honor um, that he really wanted to, to try and stay um, and that ended up being, I think, worse for both of us. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Um, because he just couldn't be present in the way he wanted to be. Um, and that was, yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, he had a hard time knowing that I was sick and nobody was doing anything about it. He was really angry about that. Um, and, um, but after, after that ended... You know, I thought, like, I, I, I really, I really, really believed that I was undateable. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I was certain that I was too sick to be attractive to anybody, that nobody would see any value in taking care of a sick person like me. I, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard to spiral down into that loop and then climb your way out of it. I mean, like I didn't all the time that I would have been building kind of a network of friends in my life. I spent being sick and, and trying to work my way through that. So, you know, when everybody makes friends in college, I was, I was sick all that time. And, Mm. um, you know, you're in your twenties, like a lot of people don't, a lot of people didn't understand what I was going through. Like they didn't, they didn't get it. Um, and it was hard to relate to them or um, ask for help or get close to anybody. Um, you, you were talking about, you, you said that um, in the past tense, you said like, I, I thought I was undateable. Like, has yeah. that, <laughs> <laughs> like, how has, how has that sort of perspective evolved for you? Um, gosh, it's when that last relationship ended, I, well, a lot of things ended at the same time. It it was a wild year for me. Um, and I spent like a, a few months basically on the sofa, like, hating my life and myself and thinking like, why, why do I even bother? Like, why am I bothering to try to fight to live for like, for what, like why? Um, Cause it's hard to get up every day and take like, you know, on a treatment day, like I could take, I think it's something like 42 pills. That's, that's a meal is what that is. That's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then some suspensions too, um, like the the things for the the co-infection for the the Bartonella. Um, it, there's this stuff. It's like 
it's like thick yellow paint. It's disgusting. It is seriously the most disgusting thing I've ever smelled, seen, or tasted in my entire life. Um, sounds, sounds pussy. So yeah. <laughs> it, it kind of is. Um, I, I call it I call it toxic space slug. Um, I really think it deserves its own like. Um, anthem or something like it's just yeah um sounds like something from the fifth element (laughs) so i you know i stand over my sink and i have to like pump myself up i'm like all right all right i'm gonna take this i'm gonna take this but you have to think like what's at the other end of this like this is gonna make me feel like shit but then what like Mm. why do i you know so you get up every day and i think do i want to live today and if the answer is yes okay well i'm gonna knock back my 42 pills or whatever Um, And if the answer is no, I think, okay, well, do I maybe want to live tomorrow? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, if I don't know, then, all right, take the yellow paint. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it was kind of, you know, there was me on my sofa, and I was getting to this point where I was like, more and more, I was waking up and thinking, do I want to live today? I'm like, I don't know. Like, do I want to live tomorrow? I'm not sure. Um, so I was in this really terrible place and I, I decided, you know what, like, all right, if I'm not, if I'm not going to live anymore, I'm going to work through my bucket list and then that's going to be it for me. Mm. So I started working through my bucket list. And one of the things on that list was, um, like there were some dance things on that list and I had always wanted to get my master's in dance And I was like, well, now's the fucking time, right? Um, And I applied to a program and managed to get in somewhere. And I was like, well, this is my thing to live for. Um, And Mm. being at that program and meeting people who are um, supportive um, creatively and um, as friends um, has been incredibly invaluable um and and to me as someone who's like a a you know disabled dancer like that's that's huge for me like to be able to be somewhere where that's where I still have something of value to offer Mm. um is is has been really huge for me and where are Um, you now like what's what is Jackie uh, in, you know, May of 2021? Uh, um, I, well, I am starting work on my thesis for my MFA. Um, hopefully everything goes well. I will have finished it, uh, by this time next year. Um, so I'll hopefully finish my degree um, this coming spring, um, I've been working on, because I can't, because I have all these, like, physical issues, um, and dancing was, like, really, really difficult for me, especially trying to fit myself into this box of, like, what I thought a dancer was supposed to be, like, Mm. you think, okay, like, you know, ballerina, like, I have to be able to do this many turns and balance this way and do these things. And I'm realizing that I don't have to do that. And I don't have to be that to be, um, to, to make some creative contribution 
mm-hmm. um, has allowed me to develop my own style and technique that that I can use to create work. Um, and I've been uh, continuing to develop that in a way that I can teach that to other people so I can teach them how to do my choreography. Um, that's pretty cool. cool. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's, that's been something I've been working on. Um, so I'll be doing a lot of that in the coming year. Um, and then, yeah, just the whole, the whole dating scene. That's, that's a whole nother, a whole new, whole new world for me. <laughs> and like throw a pandemic on top of everything. I know yeah. that yeah. was just cruel. That was yeah. cruel. I was side like, of, side of pandemic, man, I was, I was on Tinder for like two months and then oh. I was like, Oh, okay, here I am. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. Right. And then like, yeah, pandemic. I'm like, cool. Thanks. Don't, don't, don't go outside <laughs> ever. Yeah. Don't see anybody. Jackie, I think it's very um, like, like cinematic and like, it, it's a beautiful s- story. I think that is really like, um, powerful story to share your your journey of like going to to take off your tick things off your bucket list mm. and then finding your own sense of like purpose mm. um and value through those experiences i think that's that's really um inspiring and i i do i i was i am curious about the antibiotic treatment and mm. like going through that for four years and and at first i was thinking that it was sounding like yeah, you know, I asked the question of, of like, is the treatment worse than the actual um, disease itself? But it didn't sound like it was. Like going through that over the course of four years and like starting to see this improvement and almost getting to this point of remission and then having to be like sort of um, like give that up and then mm-hmm. revert back to the way that things were. Like yeah. is there and and you know you you sort of like preface this whole conversation with this idea that you're like sort of like somewhere in the middle of like i don't know is this chronic lyme like is this barnella like is this something else i'm not really sure but like that treatment was kind of working so right. like are you are you interested in going like where are you at in your like treatment journey um i think like if i had to guess um i think things that i would classify as lime related i probably got rid of most of that the first time around um so is it chronic lime is it i think they what do they call it post-treatment lime syndrome that Mm. kind of yeah um you know permanent damage that's left over after you eradicate lyme disease not out of yeah I don't know um but I do know that I don't have the same shortness of breath that I did before I don't have the carditis that I had before um you know the uh, heart palpitations um I don't have uh, a lot of the tremors or you know I got rid of a lot of things um what I'm left with is the brain inflammation <laughs> mm-hmm. um so I'm still kind of combating that. And really the only, the only way I can continue to do that uh, seems to be this kind of, um, they call it maintenance therapy. Um, so it's like this low dose of, of similar to what I was doing for treatment, but on um, like a modified cycle. Um, so I would do like maybe a week of... Um, less intense antibiotics, 
Um, I'm not doing the um, anti-malarials or the anti-parasitics right now. Um, I'm doing some um, kind of herbal stuff. Um, so I guess, you know, a little bit of the homeopathic maybe. Um, does it do anything? Uh, maybe. Um, it seems to. Um, uh, I do something that's a biofilm buster, so something that's supposed to break up those biofilms so I can continue to um, kill whatever's left. Um, and then I'm able to take like a few weeks off and try to live my life as best I can in those weeks um, before I go back to do a little bit more. Mm. Um, but if I have a flare up, um, you know, I mean, even on like my good days right now, like I have enough like brain swelling that I still have to take, um, like I take medication that manages that, um, which, which zaps my potassium and gives me kidney stones, which is a whole nother oh, thing. But you know, uh, but you know, I, you gotta I eat a lot like, of bananas. <laughs> ouchie, ouchie, the choice, but the choice between like <clears throat> kidney stone and this headache, like every single time I'm going to cho- choose the kidney stone. Damn. Um, wow. Yeah. But the kidney, stones, mm-hmm. the, the kidney stones, the kidney stones, they aren't, I always have to have to put this disclaimer in it. They're like um, really cute these, kidney stones. They're <laughs> not. Well, I named mine. <laughs> I, I named mine Mick Jagger. Um, oh, I hope it's, it's a, not jagged. It's a stone, right? Um, but it's not. It's not going anywhere. Um, but it's been there for like Just this like one's been jagged. there for like it's been there for like two years, maybe. Um, yeah, it's not going anywhere. But my kidney stones are weird. Um, whatever it is, about this medication that causes them, like they're not the kind that I'm naturally passing. Um, I had a lithotripsy to break the last one up, and that was a whole ordeal in itself. Um, but, um, yeah, no, this one I named. I wrote it a limerick. Uh, we're friends. We bonded. Um, it's sticking with me for a little while. But on an average day, like, uh, even with that, even with that medication that, that manages the brain swelling, like, I'm still just a little bit high just all the time, mm. which is which is far more preferable than, you know, what it used to be, which is, you know, like I was hardly lucid. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there were days where I find myself, I'm standing in front of the microwave and I don't know how I got there. And I know I want food, but I don't know how to make that happen. Mm. And I couldn't remember how to, I was like, I know, okay, there are buttons here. How do you, okay, do you push the buttons? Like, how do you, and it was like that with, you know, everything, you know, trying to just function on a daily basis was like, Jesus. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, yeah. That which, sounds like which, me when I'm stoned. I put this, I put the dish, I put the dish soap in the, in the fridge the other day by accident when I was stoned. I, I, and I went, Kyle, where's the dish, where's the dish soap? She said, you just put it in the fridge. <laughs> See, went, but these, these days it's like, um, these days it's like, like I just feel stoned. Like I don't feel like totally out of it and yeah. like straight up hallucinating yeah. and dissociating and like missing chunks of my day. Mm-hmm. Like these days I'm like kind of high. Like mm. I take a ride, I go to Costco, I wander around, I like see stuff. I come home with like way too much food and I eat 
dried dates on my sofa. That like, sounds fantastic. Yes. Dates right? are so yeah. good. Holy That's shit. They are, aren't they? Yeah. They look like cockroaches. They yes, taste they like do, Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're so they're, they're so, so good. good. They're wildly sweet. It's, Guys, it's pretty it's pretty I'm insane. going to get some dates right after this. I have uh, two Brian. kgs of dates en route and right now. The tear shop, right? Uh, yeah, they sell them there. Um, uh, Jackie, this is, this has been really, really interesting. And, and I mean, uh, you know, obviously it seems like you are still in the midst of this journey, whatever that journey is. Um, what would you say out of, out of everything you've been through, what would you say that, you know, Lime or Bartonella has taken away from you? Oh, um, the biggest thing that it's taken away from you. The worst thing that it took from me was uh, my cognition, my ability to think clearly, to um, remember things. Um, that That is probably the worst thing I can think of. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and I'm thankful that I'm able to get some of that back. But um, yeah, that was absolutely, absolutely the worst thing. What would you say is the biggest thing that it's given you? Other than dates. Um, <laughs> I mean, isn't, um, that, a, isn't that enough? Right? <laughs> Shouldn't it be? Shouldn't that be enough? <laughs> um, what has it given me uh, other than perspective? I feel, you know, isn't that the, like, the, like, Hallmark movie <laughs> answer? Like... I have perspective. That's um, I mean, that's the only answer we ever get on this fucking podcast. No, no. Um, <laughs> it did. Okay, all right. It it gave me. Uh, Fuck you, everybody who's been here and shared your stories. <laughs> it it gave me uh, one very interesting evening where I wandered out into the woods to have a conversation with Morla the Ancient One, which. Um, Oh, wow. If any of you have seen The NeverEnding Story, but... Uh, Sick. Um, yeah, so there's been that. No, it's... Um, <laughs> That's the best answer we've ever got. <laughs> <laughs> um, it... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the, everything seems cliche. Like, you know, perspective, like, I, I, I value the important things. Um, mm. I, like... No, I have this idea of a, a very realistic idea of what our medical system is like and what is causing people to suffer from that medical system um, and um, how people are suffering because they're not having hard discussions and being able to be there for each other in ways that really matter. Um, and I suppose all of that, you know, relates back to perspective, but you know, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, at That's the end of the, the day, it's, it's a cliche because it's, you know, generally it's true. true, right? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. like exactly. it, it is when we go through these mm. challenging times, if we're able to take away that, that positive shift in perspective mm -hmm. from that, then mm. yeah. It's a way to be grateful for the the, the moments that yeah. cause us those challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. Jackie, I got to say, it's been very fun to uh, to get a glimpse into your life and to sit down and chat with you for the last hour. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for this. This has been really great. Yeah, thank you. 
All right, folks, that was our little chit-chat with Jackie, who has Lyme disease, we think, perhaps, maybe, probably, but who knows, really. Yeah, I was a bit I was a bit nervous going into that conversation, but uh but it was really great. I think Jackie has has uh, a really good perspective on the challenges that she's mm-hmm. been going through and and what a delight to speak to. And fun to get into the conspiracy theory. That was that was my favorite part. Yeah, I, I was yeah. my my tinfoil hat was on tight. I liked mm, it. I'm not Who surprised. Doesn't, <laughs> Who doesn't love putting it on, especially uh, when you put it on and the tinfoil is crinkled in just such a way that it kind of itches and scratches and irritates. Mm. <laughs> um, that, yeah. So thanks Jackie, uh, all the way down from New Orleans. Um, and, uh, and, and folks, if you, uh, if you enjoyed that, well, we've got more coming every Monday. We talk to people like Jackie, uh, every Wednesday we te- we talk to a whole slew of folks in the, in the world of health science and every Friday, we just kind of shoot the shit and have fun together with our, our friend Lauren. Um, so if you want to keep supporting the podcast, you can do that by listening on Spotify, following on Spotify, listening on Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, uh, downloading the CBC Listen app and giving a listen there. Um, and if you want to follow, if you want to support us more, I mean, you know, not really technically supposed to say it, but go to patreon.com slash uh, and uh, you can support us there. <clears throat> and uh, if you, well, God knows the last time we covered Lyme disease on this show, we got a bunch of letters. Holy uh, so, fuck, did uh, we ever. If you would like to send us a letter with your thoughts on Lyme, uh, please do that. Letters at sickboypodcast.com. And if you want to be a guest on the show, you can go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact and fill out the guest form and sit in the hot seat with the three of us. And awesome. you can also... Uh, head over to shop.sickboypodcast.com if you want to pick up some some sick boy swag because we got that that merch Ooh, merch Ooh, merch 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 uh, and uh, as always I'd like to thank the folks that make this show happen huge shout out to Lauren Sankey Tiller McGilvery Jeremy Saunders and myself uh, we've got Donovan the Meerkat Morgan who does the amazing sound design for this show. A huge shout out to the one and only Jeff Lonas, who is our manager and uh, life advisors, uh, life advisor for the plural three of us, and uh, and thanks to everybody else who makes this show happen, especially you, the listener. We we couldn't do this without your ears on the show every single every single week, three times a week. Literally, that Literally. is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.